0: Be prepared. It's the 60-Minute Dash. I don't believe what I just saw. With your hosts, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. From Studio C at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting in Westbury, New York, it is the 60-Minute Dash on all-noise radio powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash, as always, on Twitter, And on Instagram, at the 60 Minute Dash, an exciting show today as the 2019 NFL season finally comes to an end. An NFL curse is broken. We're also going to get a little bit into baseball and some basketball as the Knicks got themselves into a little bit of trouble last week with the Memphis Grizzlies. That was a lot of fun at the Garden. But like I said, the 2019 Super Bowl season is over. It is time for the offseason, but the Kansas City Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. That is probably the most shocking part of the day. Not even that it's just that the team won, but 50 years without a Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid in his 22nd NFL season finally gets it done. He is the longest tenured head coach in NFL history to finally get his first Super Bowl win. That is absolutely incredible. The Kansas City Chiefs, I really went on a magical run, per se, because last year it was all about Patrick Mahomes, this firepower offense, they're the new team, and then they lost to the Patriots in the AFC championship game, but this year, they kind of flew under the radar, and it's not often that a 12-4 and team with a young stud quarterback flies under the radar, but when you have a guy like Lamar Jackson playing in the same conference, who just completely took the league by storm. That's a little, uh, you know, it's different. You're not really going to get the attention that you deserve. Now, I wish Nick was here today, and he's here. He's not here today. I'm kind of upset about it, but he'll be back next week. He'll be able to talk to me a little bit more about the Mets, but I wanted to get his opinion on what happened yesterday in in the Super Bowl because last week I said that the Niners are going to win because I thought that their offensive and defensive line were going to be just dominant in this game, and I didn't know if the Chiefs— had an answer for it. And through the first three quarters, they were. They were running the ball effectively. They were giving Garoppolo time. They forced Patrick Mahomes to throw two interceptions. I mean, the second one, it was right too. I think it was Greenlaw that picked him off. I want to say, or Ward. I'm not sure. But they forced him to throw those two bad interceptions. And the first one was, where are you throwing it to? And he almost threw a third one in the fourth quarter that could have sealed the game where there was nobody in the vicinity but it just got batted down. I was really confused. I thought, man, the Niners are really making him look silly right now. And I did not expect that from Patrick Mahomes. But that the first 3 quarters were really a dominant a domination by the Niners. The Chiefs, they were getting some things going, but when it came when push came to shove, the Niners were able to slow down the Chiefs offense. And they kept Patrick Mahomes where he can't hurt you on the sideline, which is exactly what I said they had to do. And they were up 20-10 to 10 going to the fourth quarter. Think about it. They were getting Kyle Juszczyk involved in the game. He had a touchdown. Moser had a touchdown. It was just a very nice performance, and Garoppolo was making the plays that he had to make. I think the biggest, the biggest sequence of the game, that really started, even before the Niners took that 20-10 to 10 lead in the third quarter, but I kind of felt like, ooh, this might not be good for the 49ers, is right before halftime, they had the ball with about 45 seconds left, three timeouts. The Chiefs just kicked a field goal to tie the game. And, no, they scored a touchdown to tie the game, excuse me. And so they have the ball around the 25-yard line, 45, 45 seconds left, three timeouts, and they decide to run the ball twice. And then the Chiefs call a timeout. So now the Chiefs are like, hey, we can get the ball back right now. And then now Shanahan decides, hey, let me start throwing the ball downfield. So he gets a ball to Mosert. He runs to about the 50-yard line. And then they set up. They call a timeout, about 25 seconds left. Now I'm confused. So I don't know why Kyle Shanahan said, I'm going to run out the clock. And now he says, no, 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 no. Now I'm going to go for it. You, you have to make up your mind. And at that point for me, you're playing the Chiefs. They have a lethal offense, and you're telling me that they're not going to figure it out because, newsflash, they figured it out in the second half, and they beat you. But at the time, he didn't know that. So I'm thinking to myself, go get those points, whether it be three or seven, because you get the ball back to start the second half. You need to put the Chiefs down. You can't mess around with them. So now he starts throwing the ball. He gets to the 50-yard line with about 17 seconds left, and then he throws a pass to Kittle, Garoppolo, that is. And Kittle comes down with it, but it was offensive pass interference. And yeah, you can argue a little bit if it was pass interference or not, but he got a push off. It, it was. It created enough separation for him to make the play. But that's the biggest sequence of the game. Because if the Niners go down the field and put points on the board, this game is completely different. Because now you're either walking out a 13-10 to 10 lead going into the half or 17-10, and the 49ers got the ball back. So they could have relatively been up by two scores pretty quickly. But that doesn't happen. They take it into the half. They're very content at 10-10. The third quarter results in the 49ers taking a 10-0 run in that third quarter. They're up 20-10 going into the fourth. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. The Chiefs offense can't get anything going. This Niner defense really is standing their ground. And it wasn't like that they were utterly, you know, embarrassing the Chiefs, but they were just stopping them when it mattered. They were getting they were causing turnovers and they got started getting to Mahomes. I was getting a little worried that wow, this is uh this might be might be over. But the biggest play of the second half is 20 to 10. The Chiefs are facing a third down. Mahomes throws a pass to Kelsey, pretty much a prayer like please come down with this, and the 49ers get called for pass interference. Because he did not turn his back to the ball. Well, his head to the ball. His back was to the ball the whole time. And I just... I don't know if I really liked that call. I, I really thought that they should have just let it go. I don't really think that it affected the play that much. Because the, the ball was underthrown. And Kelsey was about two or three feet away from it. And here's my problem. Is if he turns around and he's looking at the ball, it's not pass interference. But if he doesn't, it is even though he doesn't do anything different except turn his head? I'm sorry. That's a dumb rule. It's gotten a lot of teams in a lot of trouble, and it could have cost the team a Super Bowl last night. Now, I'm not saying that that's the only reason, but it led to a touchdown, and the Chiefs got back in the game. But I just don't know if I can call that pass interference because my problem is with it, like I said, if you turn yourself around, it's not pass interference. How does that make sense? Sometimes the NFL rule book just doesn't make any sense. It's borderline. No, not borderline. It is stupid. Sometimes I get really confused by the rules. But regardless, the Chiefs score a touchdown. They get another touchdown late with Williams. And then the the 49ers are pretty much scrambling. I was utterly shocked because we saw the 49ers blow it. That's really what happened. Uh, To me, you can say all you want about what the Chiefs did, but the 49ers had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and they crumbled. They couldn't get the ball moving downfield. They were not able to stop anything that the Chiefs were doing. You can talk to me all you want. The Chiefs did this. They started throwing the ball well, but the 49ers blew it. And I guess it's just a trait for Kyle Shanahan to blow big games, because now... He's he's coached in two Super Bowls as a head coach and as an offensive coordinator and he's blown both of them. That's not really a good trait to have, if you ask me. But you got to be kidding me! How how can you have a ten point lead and then just and just blow it? The Chiefs started marching down the field and for a while the Niners couldn't be stopped. I was like, wow, this Chief defense is finally meeting the match. And then the the Forty Nine ers just stopped work and they, I just can't believe that. They stopped. The Chiefs stopped them, and they blew it. Uh, That was the most shocking part of the night for me. Not even that the Chiefs came back and won, but for me it was more of a a 49er meltdown. And what a bad time to have a meltdown in the fourth quarter of Super Bowl 54. That was, jeez. And Garoppolo threw a... He had time, and he just couldn't hit his guys. The Chiefs, say what you want about good coverage, but... I mean, they were able to take them out of the game, and they stopped running the ball effectively too. So I guess you got to give credit to the chief defense, but if you ask me, the Niners just flat out blew it. You can't blow a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. It just won't fly over. But hey, give credit. Andy Reid finally has his Super Bowl. He stamped his way into Canton. He's going to the Football Hall of Fame, I think, and I'm honestly so happy for the guy. And really, it gives me hope as a Jet fan that if... Hey, if a team that hasn't won in 50 years can win a Super Bowl, how about a team that hasn't won in 51 years? Granted, the Jets have Adam Gaze as the head coach, and Andy Reid as, now, he looks like an all-time great coach. Because he finally has done everything, like I said last week, he's finally done everything there is to do as an NFL head coach. Whether it be winning the conference, whether it be becoming the number one seed, division titles, bye weeks, all this, that, and the other thing, he finally got his Super Bowl. And he really, it shows he just needed the right quarterback. Like I said, two weeks ago, Alex Smith was a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. Right now, Patrick Mahomes is becoming the best quarterback in the NFL if he isn't already. What can't Mahomes do? He's able to sit in the pocket and throw. He's able to roll out and throw. He's able to run if he has to. He's pretty much unstoppable. And if you look at every single one of his career starts, he hasn't had a bad game. There isn't that 150 yards, three-interception game. If he throws two interceptions, he throws four touchdowns. He does something every week that you've never seen before. And the way that he thought, one of the biggest plays of the game was a third down and four. And he was flushed out of the pocket because in the first three quarters, he had problems throwing in the pocket. The Niners are getting tremendous pressure on him and he's able to roll out, and he dives for a first down, and he gets that first down by maybe half a yard to keep a drive going, that is a big-time player right there. That's the guy you want under center on your team because he's able to do things like that. He's a game-changer. He doesn't just keep you in the game. He wins the game, and that's what he did yesterday. And a lot of the time, they give the MVP, Super Bowl MVP, to the quarterback just because it's pretty much... You know, it's like he's the quarterback. He has to get it. But yesterday, I understand he had two interceptions, but you're telling me if they don't have Patrick Mahomes, they win that game? I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. If Alex Smith, not a shot at Alex Smith, but it's the truth. If Alex Smith is the quarterback of that team, they don't win. They just don't. Because he doesn't have that big game mentality. He doesn't have that big play In him like Mahomes does. And when push came to shove yesterday, when the Chiefs had to make the big plays in the fourth quarter late when all the pressure's on, they did. And the 49ers crumbled under the pressure. I think it was pretty obvious that they were crumbling. And I was a big Jimmy G supporter. Then again, he did not play a bad game. But let's be real. What happened to George Kittle? How many receptions did he have in this game? He's supposed to be the number one tight end. Travis Kelsey, who was his pretty much competitor, who I think is the best tight end in football, he answered the call. He had a touchdown. He was taking direct snaps. George Kittle, who had a great season. Don't get me wrong, but in the Super Bowl, what happened? I didn't see much of him. The biggest, the biggest part of his game yesterday was that he got called for a penalty. That's, that's what I remember from him. And the second interception by Garoppolo, you can't really blame him for that because he had to try something. But really, just an all-around, not the best Super Bowl, but a great fourth quarter. And that's why you got to love the NFL. This playoff was great. And the best part about it was I had no rooting interest in this game, so I was able to kick back, sit up there with my friends. And my friends were like, man, the Niners are really melting. And my friend's dad said, Wow, we need to get Mahomes moving out of the pocket. Because if he's in the pocket, he's not able to throw the ball effectively because the Niners are getting all that pressure on him. And what do you know? They started rolling him out, and look at that. They wind up Super Bowl champions. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Congratulations to Andy Reid, who finally gets his due. And if you ask me, the Chiefs won Super Bowl four after the Jets won Super Bowl three, So maybe this time roles will be reversed. I can hope, right? Coming up, we have a little bit of Mets talk as pitchers and catchers report soon. A little bit of the Yankees and a lot of things happening at the Garden. People yelling, sell the team. What else is new? On to Solo in the 60-minute dash. know how to shoot edit and post videos you become a pretty hot commodity that's the training you get at connecticut school of broadcasting connecticut school of broadcasting with locations up and down the east coast from massachusetts to miami call 1-800 tv radio or log on to gocsb.com. connecticut school of broadcasting the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools redefining training in radio tv and new media get trained get connected one TV Radio. The 60-minute dash powered by All Noise Radio. We got more left, don't you? A whole lot I thought so. That was that was that that warm up, we're warming up. Doing 0-60 with intense sports talk. It is indeed the 60-minute dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. As always, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-minute dash. You want to hear your guys' opinions on what I thought was a very good game yesterday. Just a game that we all wanted to see. Something competitive, unlike you know, last year's Boar Fest. Let's be honest. That game, I love defense, but too much of it is just, you know, bleh. The problem was there just was no big plays last year, and this game had it all. You had a good comeback. You had a solid beginning to the game. There was really nothing in this game that was, like, boring. There were defensive stops. There were big plays. There were nice runs. And special teams was at a premium, I mean, if you like special teams. And there were a couple of good defensive stops. It had it all. It had it all. It was just an all-out great game and I said this before and I firmly believe this that Patrick Mahomes yesterday has pretty much stamped himself as the face of the NFL give me all you want about Lamar Jackson he had a great season nothing against him but Patrick Mahomes is now a Super Bowl MVP he's done it all he had a great rookie season he's done it again in his sophomore year it's just, he's done everything there is to do, and he's only in his second year, and he's getting better. And Andy Reid said this after the game. The crazy thing is, he's got he's getting better with experience. He's seeing things. And my only worry is, is this the new dynasty? Are the Chiefs going to become the New England Patriots 2.0? I mean, I kind of hope not. Nothing against the Chiefs and Andy Reid, but... I really just like new champions every now and then, and I don't want the Jets to be dominated again like they were by the Patriots for the last 20 years. And also, one thing that jumped out at me yesterday, speaking of the Patriots, was that Super Bowl commercial yesterday with Tom Brady saying that he's got a big announcement. I, I, I don't know about you guys. I kind of found that really funny when he started talking about a big announcement, and it, t- it turned out to be about Hulu and not about where he's going to go, but that's one of the most interesting topics. Now that the Super Bowl is over, we're going into next season is where the hell is Tom Brady going to wind up. A report came out yesterday that the Raiders and the Chargers are both going to pursue him if he reaches free agency, then another report comes out from the Athletic saying, "Oh, he's going to want th- uh, the Patriots are offering him $30 million a year to- for him to stay." Uh, If you ask me, that's coming right from Kraft, because would you want your all-time great Super Bowl quarterback to be going somewhere else to finish out his career? Isn't that just weird? And let me tell you something. I do not want him back in the NFC East. Get him out of here. I understand he's not the same guy, but this man has tortured me for the 20 years that I've been alive on this earth. He needs to go, get out of here, because I'm tired of losing to him. This I'm telling you, the scariest thing for me as a sports fan, not just a football fan or a Jet fan, but a sports fan, the scariest thing for me is Brady has the ball with time on the clock. That's the scariest thing for me. You give Brady the ball, 20-yard line, a minute left, one time out, I'm telling you, he's going to win the game. Whenever do you see Tom Brady, and this is why he's the greatest quarterback of all time, why do you, when do you ever see him throw a bad pick to end a game? Say all you want about, oh, he has Bill. He has Bill. Bill is great. Bill is this. Well, yes, Bill is great. Don't get me wrong. He's still the best head coach of all time. But the way you measure a quarterback's greatness is the clutchness that he has. And trust me, I watch every snap of every Jet game. And every time he plays the Jets, he makes a big play, a big throw. He doesn't do anything stupid. He's ripped out so many teams' hearts. And we're all football fans. We watch. He's on primetime all the time, Sunday night, Monday night, whatever it may be. How many times does he have to rip our hearts out? How many Super Bowls does this guy have to win for us just to admit that he's the best of all time? I, I don't get why people are just so hesitant to name him the best of all time. Now, if you want to give me that Peyton Manning's the best regular season quarterback of all time, because I believe that, he, Peyton Manning has all the regular season accolades. But Tom Brady does it in the playoffs, where Manning has had those stumbles in the playoffs, where he's lost two Brady, where he lost a, he's lost two Super Bowls in his career, Peyton Manning. And I understand Brady's lost three, but he's also been to nine of them. So I guess you're kind of warranted that when you win six. He's done it in the playoffs. He'll do it in the regular season. He's far and away over 500. And in the playoffs, he's 30-11. and And I'm not sure if you guys saw this yesterday. Two things about this game that kind of made me laugh is, one, in the pregame when they were going through the NFL Top 100 and Bill Belichick was there. Did you guys see when Bill Belichick had his Super Bowl rings and they said, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Bill Belichick. And he had the six Super Bowl rings on his finger, and he's just flashing them out, three on each hand. And my friend Paul looks over at me, and he says, you know, it's got to be nice to be Bill Belichick because you could just look at the camera, and when you're getting ready to go out, you get to put on your ring and be like, what story do I want to tell today when somebody sees this at dinner tonight? Isn't that probably like a nice feeling where most Super Bowl winners only have one to put on their finger? Then he has six to pick out from. I mean, come on. That's got to be a pretty nice feeling. But speaking of that, where's Brady going to go that he's going to win? See, that's the problem I have thinking this. Because for me, some people would just want to go out there and play so they can make some money. But I just think that Brady wants to win. And I don't think he's going to have a better chance to win anywhere else than New England. But... I just don't know where he'd go that he can win. I mean, maybe Tennessee, but I thought Tennessee was sold on Ryan Tannehill. I've heard rumors about Tampa Bay because if he goes to Vegas or he goes to, that's so weird to say Vegas now. Jeez, the Vegas Raiders. Vegas is going to be a scary place with the Raiders in town. But do you have to go to Vegas? Do you go to the Chargers? I mean, where are you going to win? That's why this confuses me. If he wants to win, just stay in New England. You make $30 million. You have Bill Belichick. I mean, we can't forget that the Patriots went 12-4 and this year. Like, we just can't throw that under the bus and say, yeah, well, forget about that. They were 12-4, and and they lost to a team that not only beat them, but that beat the Ravens. They beat the Ravens. And everybody already anointed the Ravens as Super Bowl champions in Week 13. So if they, we can't just say that, oh, the, the, the Patriots sucked this year. Because they didn't. They actually were a very good team. And listen, Tom Brady did not have his best statistical season. And we can't take that away. I, I can't just say that, oh, it was his weapons. It was this. It was that. He was part of the problem. He was. But when you only have Julian Edelman, you don't have Gronkowski, and you're trying to make the Sanu work, They had to play Julian Edelman on the outside, and he's a slot receiver. I mean, Bill Belichick says it himself. He plays on the inside, and when you have to force him to the outside and be something that he's not, that's where Bill Belichick thrives, playing players where they belong. You don't force them to be something, and he had to because he had to try to win games. This Patriot offense was pretty inept this year, and part of that's on Brady and part of it's not. But my only question to Brady is does he want to win? Or does he just want the money? And he doesn't come off to me as a guy who just wants money. But there was also people saying that Giselle, his wife, is looking at houses in Nashville. Well, I mean, what did that mean? I, I, don't know, I don't know what that means. Because right now, we're getting a whole bunch of mixed single signals. I just don't know where this is going to go. And let's not forget that Brady's not the only quarterback in free agency this year. There's a lot of guys moving around. Where does Jameis Winston go? Because I don't think he's going back to Tampa Bay because Bruce Arian said, well, we can win seven with this guy, we can win we can win ten with another. Basically said something along those lines, taking a huge shot at Jameis Winston. And Jameis Winston still has potential. I mean, he led the league in passing yards, touchdowns, but he also led the league in interceptions. You know how hard that is to do? He had the he was in the thirty thirty club. And the only thirty thirty club you want to be in is if you're playing baseball. Because if you're in the thirty thirty club As an NFL quarterback, Uh, that's not good. And obviously, 7-9, and but he had 30-plus touchdowns. Ouch. That's just an ouch, if you ask me. Then you have Andy Dalton. Where is he going to go? Maybe if Brady leaves New England, does he go to New England and try to pair up with Bill Belichick and Andy Dalton becomes the greatest quarterback of all time? I don't know. It's great because now, obviously, they're not going to bring him back to Cincinnati. Although, he is the Bengals' all-time touchdown pass leader. I know all too well because he accomplished it against the Jets. The Jets are always in the record book, but they're always the team that gives up the record. They're never the team that sets the record. They're always on the field to give up the big play, to really cement something, to give other people memories. Man, it just it sucks being a Jet fan. It really does. Sometimes I really just wonder, why do you do this? Why do you consistently turn that game on? Because you know what's going to happen. Anyways, you also have Phillip Rivers. Where is he going to go? Is he going to retire? Is he he done? I I don't know if he's done. I just know that the Chargers, first of all, they said, we're done with Phillip Rivers. Then they said, we're going to re-sign Anthony Lynn, which they did, which people can question. But I, I personally like him as a coach because he goes, what? 12-4, 11-5 Twelve and four, 11 and five last year, and then also he uh, he uh, sorry I stumbled, but he lost every single game except two this year in that five and eleven loss losing year to a one possession game, and that's pretty much where you want to be in the NFL. And I guess the the Chargers have accepted his notion that hey, it was Philip Rivers' fault. Phillip Rivers is the reason why we finished 5-11. So I guess if he's pretty much sold them on that, because they have a solid club out there, whether it be Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, they have Joey Bosa on defense, Ingram on, on defense. I, they have a lot of solid players out there in LA for a team that went 5-11. and They obviously underachieved, but Phillip Rivers did not have his best season by any stretch of the word. It was really a bad year and kind of showing he might be done. He might have to hang it up, but is he going to go out and try to find a job? Because obviously here's a couple places that I could see quarterback signing one, obviously Tampa Bay. They're not high enough in the draft to get a quarterback. I don't know if they're going to be able to try to move up or if they're going to try to take a guy in the middle, first round as a quarterback. I'm not sure if you really want to do that because they have other holes to fill. If they want to try to sign a quarterback, I don't know. I guess you could try to come up with something in that way. Maybe an Andy Dalton or a Brady. So I don't see Tampa really – I mean, I see Tampa going out there for a free agent quarterback, not drafting. Cincinnati, no. They might they might sign a guy to be a stopgap for a little bit until Burrow is ready, but they're really an organization – excuse me. They're really an organization that just throws their quarterbacks out there in the, to the wolves and hopes it works, and that's why they're always losing because they ruin their quarterbacks before that they can actually develop, which is why when uh, the Jets drafted Darnold, I wanted him to sit, because we see what happens to rookie quarterbacks when they have to play right away. They could see some initial success. There aren't many guys out there that just take over and become great, like the Peyton Mannings of the world. You know, there aren't many guys out there. Look at Patrick Mahomes. He sat a year. And he was groomed by Alex Smith. Everybody says the Patrick Mahomes model. Well, it kind of freaking works because Brady had to sit for a while. Aaron Rodgers sat for years. Years. We all forget that. He did not just come into the spotlight and take over and be one of the best of all time. It just didn't happen. There aren't many guys who can do that. And I just hope that they're able, that the Bengals sign somebody and they groom Burrow. Because you have to be able To just let him grow. Let him see things that he wouldn't see by playing. And then when he sees him in a game, he'll be able to adjust to that. And speaking of teams needing young quarterbacks, the Dolphins. Are they going to draft Tua after his latest injury? I don't know. They're obviously not going to sign somebody because they have Fitzpatrick that they'll just re-sign. But do they really want to sign, I mean, draft Tua? I don't know. Are they going to try to go out there and get Justin Herbert? I don't know what their plan is. I could see them doing anything. Obviously, obviously, it's going to have to be a quarterback, whether it be Herbert or Tua. But Josh Rosen is not their answer. I mean, how bad is that? How bad is that, man? Josh Rosen can't even see the field. Kaiwa Murray comes in, he gets dumped out of uh, he gets dumped out of Arizona to Miami. He comes in the third game of the year, is in the game against the Cowboys, then gets blown out. The next two weeks and they go back to Fitzpatrick and hey, Fitzpatrick screwed the New England Patriots so I guess it kind of worked out but there's a couple teams like, and also now the Raiders are looking into signing Tom Brady, what the hell does that mean for Derek Carr? Where's he going to go now? I It's just there's a lot of things I don't get, why are they moving on from Derek Carr? John Gruden, you know Mr. Knock on wood if you're with me he? why is he going to get rid of Derek Carr? I thought he loved Derek Carr. And why would you sign a 43-year-old Tom Brady if you're not really in a position to win? Are they good enough to win? I don't know that. So this NFL offseason is going to be fantastic. Then you have the other free agents, teams that need to fill up their gaps. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces here. And the Jets and Giants both have a little bit of money to spend in cap space. But lucky for us, we... We think, at least, we have our franchise quarterbacks, so we're going to be looking into other things during free agency, but a lot of interesting things to look at into the offseason this year as the Super Bowl is over, and now we get to focus on the off season, one of the more interesting off seasons that the sports world has to offer. Coming up, the New York Mets have signed Matt Adams to be their first baseman off the bench what that could mean for Dom Smith and a possible trade, and why I think that might be one of the dumbest things Brody has done while being general manager of the New York Mets. Hunter, Highwell will solo today on the 60-Minute Dash. You know, our jobs occupy more than half our waking hours. Shouldn't we be doing something we love? Call Connecticut School of Broadcasting at 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Since 1964, Connecticut School of Broadcasting, with a network of 12 campuses from Massachusetts to Miami, has helped place thousands of grads as DJs, sportscasters, entertainment reporters, behind-the-scenes in audio and video production, every aspect of the broadcast media. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has trained men and women of all ages and backgrounds in a matter of months, not years, Learn by doing from area radio and TV pros. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Remember, it's never too late to love what you do. Day and evening classes begin soon. Get trained. Get connected. Now. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow The 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60 dash. And on Twitter, ask questions and answer polls using hashtag Ask60. It is indeed the 60-minute dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Hunter Highwell flying solo today. Unfortunately, Nick is unable to be with me, but he is helping his dad today, so he's got some important things to do. But just bad timing. I mean, come on. Super Bowl week. Come and also, I get to talk about one of his favorite topics, the New York Mets. And he's all excited about the Mets season this year. Pete Alonzo put on Twitter yesterday, it's now, I love football, but it's time for baseball season. And I love to see it because I'm excited for baseball. I, I'm i still able to watch hockey, so I'm not really, you know, out of the loop on sports. I still got things to watch. I'm actually going to the Islander game tomorrow night. I got free tickets, and you know what the saying is, right? Free is for me. When you're offered something free, just take it. You'll find a use for it. I promise you, you will. But it's it's finally almost baseball season, and pitchers and catchers report in about I think eight days now. Eight days. I think I'm right on that eight days, and it's a good feeling because it's a little warm outside today on this Monday morning. It's about 50 degrees. You got that itch for you know things like golf and baseball and being out there and throwing the ball around. And taking some ground balls. But the Mets went out there this weekend right before the Super Bowl. It's such a typical Met fashion. Right before a big event, you get something done. They go out there and they sign Matt Adams. You know, he's a good, he's a solid major leaguer. He hits 20 home runs a year. He's a good glove at first base. He can really be a nice, valuable piece off the bench. But I thought we already had that in Dom Smith. See, that's where I'm kind of confused. And what are they going to do with Dom Smith? And This is one of my problems I have with the Mets. When you have young, good players, you don't normally trade those young players. And Smith looks like he's finally coming into his own. He, remember, he came back from injury, and his first at-bat, he had to walk off home run against the Braves to win the game 8-7 on the final Sunday of the year. Why would we sign a guy like Adams and then keep Dom Smith? That's the thing I don't understand. Because Dom Smith has trade value. He does. He's a young first baseman. You have people already blowing up the phone lines after that. And not to say the least, he hit what? 300 last year? And he had power? And he's a great glove? Why would people not want him? And what are the Mets going to get back? That's the big question. Is what the heck are they going to get back for him? And I'm sorry, it's not going to be enough. The Mets are probably going to get back a guy like a middle-of-the-line reliever. He's not going to be great. He's probably going to blow up in our face. And the next thing you know, all you did is just save... All you did was just get rid of a backup first baseman who has potential. I'm sorry. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for me. And if you want to tell me that it does, explain to me how it makes sense to trade Dom Smith. Because the Mets always do things like this over and over and over again. They always trade their young players... Look at this, Jared Koenig. Just last year, all of a sudden, he's the number one prospect in baseball. And the Mets are stuck with Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano. Remember, Cano used up all his hits last year in spring training, and he hit, what, 250 in the regular season? He didn't have like a terrible season, but when you're paying him $30 million a year, yeah, you want a little bit more than that. And then Edwin Diaz, do I really need to talk about Edwin Diaz? I mean, he's the human garbage can. He just consistently found ways to blow games. And he always walked off the mound with that stupid look on his face. Where, you know, he was just looking up at the scoreboard like, how did that happen? How did I do that? Well, remember that one part of the season where his slider got, you know, pretty much it was moving again. And he actually got three saves in a row. And then he just lost it again. I... I just I gave up after that. I was like, oh my god. And now the bullpen. We got Dylan Batansis, that's great. But now they're gonna rely on a guy like Familia to have a bounce back year, and Diaz to have a bounce back year, and Lugo to have the same exact season like he did this year. And also something I was talking to my dad about yesterday and we kind of were laughing about, but then we kind of got a little upset, is they remember when they signed Michael Waka and when Waka was found out that we signed Rick Porcello. He began to say, I was signed under the impression I was going to be a starter. Great job, Brody. Good job. You lied again to somebody. Way to keep on lying. You lie about what? that Waka is going to be a starter. You lie about what questions and your knowledge of the Astros cheating scandal when you talked to Carlos Beltran. What else? What's next? What are you going to lie about next? I was kind of high on su- on making Ben uh, Wagon the general manager last year, but now it just looks like a colossal mistake because what good has he done? Seriously. And I don't want to hear that, oh, he brought in Batances. Batances hasn't pitched a game in a Met uniform yet. Can we let him do something first? And all he keeps doing is pumping out Cespedes talk. I'm not going to believe Cespedes is on the team until I see Cespedes play. Will it be great if Cespedes plays and he hits 30 home runs? oh yeah it would be awesome I want him to do that do I expect it no only because I haven't seen him play and really could I see him doing that yes because it's Cespedes it's a contract year he wants his money and listen when Cespedes has a lot to play for trust me he's gonna play it's just how it is and isn't it kind of funny to think about the contrast of the two New York baseball teams All the talk in the beginning part of the offseason was the Yankees got to get Cole. They need that starter. They need to be put over the top. They go out there, they sign Cole, and they haven't done anything else since. But it's all they needed to do because they were really one piece away. And they've put themselves so far and ahead of the rest of the competition in the American League that if if they don't go to the World Series or win the World Series, it's an absolute failure. In the Mets, it's like hopefully we can contend for the division because the Yankees were like, hey, we got to pretty much destroy the competition. And the Mets are like, let's give the competition our, our players, whether it be giving away Wheeler. That, that kills me. That absolutely kills me. And then they let Girardi go to the Phillies. And then the Phillies also signed Gregorius. I'm sorry, but the, the Phillies have far and away surpassed the Mets in talent. They just have because the Mets are still looking at what if. What if Cespedes comes back? What if Conforto takes the next step? What if Alonzo repeats himself with 53 home runs? What if Robinson Cano has a better year? What if Jeff McNeil can hit 340 again? What if Ahmed Rosario takes another step? What if Steven Matz finds it? What if DeGrom has another Cy Young year? What if Syndergaard really steps up this year? What if Emilia has a better year? What if Diaz finds it again? See you see that? That is not just that's not just like questions that you can ask playing devil's advocate. Those are legitimate questions. They're legit questions going into spring training. What the heck is this team? I understand they won 86 games last year. But with a better bullpen, they could have won about 95. But do I really expect the bullpen to be better than it was last year by adding one guy? And is Michael Waka going to be in that bullpen? I don't know. It's really just, I'm confused. I really am confused on what the plan is for the Mets. And am I excited? Yes. I think that this actually can be a very good season. But the competition is still tight. I mean, I understand the Nationals lost Anthony Rendon, but they're still World Series champions, and they still have guys like Trey Turner, like Juan Soto. I mean, we don't just forget that, you know, Mad Max. They have guys on that roster. The Phillies, like I just mentioned, got better. And then the Braves go out there and say, don't forget about us. And they sign Marcelo Zuna. Like, it's just, everybody's getting better around the Mets. And the Mets are like, Batansis? Matt Adams? Oh, let's trade Dom Smith. It's just, it's such a contrast to the rest of the NL East. And the Mets are getting laughed at. Because their team across the street in the Yankees Makes one move and then they don't need to do anything else, and they're already far and away favorites. Now let's talk about the Yankees for a second. The Yankees are a very interesting team because obviously they have Judge, they have Sanchez. Gardner had a career year last year. Is the only what if I could see for the Yankees is because I really do expect Judge to get hurt again because he's he's Judge. He's not that I'm like oh he's definitely getting hurt, but you expect him to miss his forty games a year. It's baseball. It happens. Like, let's not just, you know, turn a blind eye. Look at the Yankees last year. They had nothing but injuries. DJ LeMayhew, I think he's going to have another great year. The only what-if I see, though, is Gio Urshela. Is he going to have another year like he did last year? Because last year was an anomaly for him. Because remember, Luke Voigt was the big story in September in 2018 for the Yankees. And then 2019 for the Yankees, he was getting benched from Mike Ford. Like, don't just sweep that under the rug. Voight was supposed to be the guy. And they wound up playing Lemayhew at first base for most of the playoffs. So I think that the, that's the only what if for me. Because if Gardner doesn't have a career year, again, like another great year, they have guys that they could fill into that role. They're very deep. Aaron Hicks just has to stay healthy, really. That's the big thing for him. Just stay healthy. This lineup, one through eight, well, I have to say one through nine because of the designated hitter, which I absolutely cannot stand. I'm going to get into that in just a second. But you got to expect Stanton to come back and have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You don't just expect him to roll over and die again, right? Because let's not forget, he did hit 59 home runs just three years ago. He's not an utter tomato can. He still has potential. He He can have you a great year. And then if he has a great year along with Judge and Lemayhew, and if Sanchez can put together another good season? I mean, come on. This Yankee lineup is probably the best in baseball. I mean, name me a lineup that's better. I mean, you want to give me what? I'm trying to think of a lineup that's better. The Angels with Trout and Rendon? I mean, that's going to be a deadly combination out there, but can they pitch? Probably not. The Dodgers may be getting a better lineup. And this is what I wanted to get into. The Dodgers can compete with the Yankees for the best lineup in baseball if they go out there and if the rumors are true that they're going to trade for Mookie Betts. And Mookie Betts is now a hot name because the Padres and the Dodgers look like they're the finalists to trade for him. And it's frustrating for me in a sense that I want the Mets to go out there and get a guy like Mookie Betts. But it looks like that the Mets are going to go down another road I've heard rumors about Arenado, but the Mets need to get that money first. They need Steve Cohen's money to be able to do that. And I don't know when Steve Cohen's taking over. It should be by the beginning of the season, get Jeff and Fred out. That way you could go out there and get Mookie Betts because Betts right now, he's a pretty big player, if you ask me, top three player in baseball. And I understand that you can go out there and sign him next year, but if you could just trade him and get him signed this year, just do it. Don't waste time. Because if you get Mookie Betts here in New York, my God, the the, the potential that he has—he's so good, he's just so good. He's a top player in the freaking sport, and it looks like he's going to go to the Dodgers, and that, that that'll honestly make me sick if he goes to the Dodgers, especially if he signs there. If he goes to the Padres, I don't expect—I'm not going to be that nervous that he stays in San Diego because let's be honest, not a lot of people really want to be in San Diego, I and the only reason Manny Machado. Signed in San Diego was because he he was offered $300 million. I mean, who's going to turn down $300 million? You're stupid if you turn that much money down. And then two, the Dodgers, I'm scared of the Dodgers because they always keep everybody. They're not really big on going out there and signing free agents, but they always keep their own guys. And if Mookie Betts signs there, he's their own guy. So I'm scared of the Dodgers signing and re-signing him uh, I mean trading for him and then re-signing him because it's just what the Dodgers do and it would be such a Met thing to happen for them to be linked to a guy and then they're just about to get their new owner and then all of a sudden they can't get him because the Dodgers of all teams block them that would honestly really upset me coming up I want to talk about a trade that the Mets can make and why they should make it Because when it comes down to it, push comes to shove, you just got to win. And why James Dolan, Jim Dolan, whatever you want to call him, why he needs to just grow up, fire Steve Mills, or just freaking sell the team already. I'll tell you why he has to do that. Next. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. All Noise Radio is an internet radio station that's fully produced by graduates of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. From modern rock to old school hip-hop, country to classical, news, talk, sports, and more. It's the noise you can't ignore. Log on to allnoiseradio.com. Fire up the station. Find out more about your favorite jocks. Get the latest CSV news and more. Plus, you can take All Noise Radio with you on the go for free. Just download the Live 365 app to your office iPhone, iPod Touch, or BlackBerry, and search All Noise Radio. Check out tomorrow's broadcasters today at allnoiseradio.com, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Ho, 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 ho! Santa Claus is here! Huddle up! It's the 60-Minute Dash with your hosts, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. Indeed! It is the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Unfortunately... It's without Nick Pellucci today. My good friend Nick out in the city today with his dad. He's got to give him a little bit of help. And you know what? You got to respect that. I mean, he's helping his dad. I mean, what are you going to do about it, right? But one of the things I wanted to ask him today is here's two things about baseball real quick. The Mets are linked to trades for Mookie Betts and Nolan Arenado. And listen, they're not going to get Mookie Betts in a trade this year. I just don't think it's going to happen. The Dodgers and the Padres are probably going to offer more than the Mets could. And the only reason I see them being able to land a guy like Nolan Arenado is because Arenado is verbally upset Excuse me, with the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies are... Apparently, they were shopping him, and he was not happy about that because he signed an eight-year extension, and he's like, Why are you shopping me? I'm Nolan Arenado. And I'm literally the second-best player in Major League Baseball. And let's be honest, he is the best, the second best player in Major League Baseball, and I don't want to hear about the chorus field thing because he has hit 280 on the road. His splits are not that incredible. I mean, he hits like 340 at home and 270, 280 on the road, so it's not a huge drop off if, in consideration of chorus field. He still hits the same home runs. He still hits the same amount of runs batted in. He's still freaking amazing, and his glove is my god. His glove is the best in baseball. He's the best fielder in baseball. There's no play that he can't make. And I'm telling you, I've said this over and over and over again. He's my favorite player in baseball. He's so amazing to watch. He's such a great bat. And I just, it's sad that he's wasted away in Colorado. And of course, he did sign back there. So it's uh, kind of his fault. But he is such a great talent. And if the Mets can get him, you have to do it. It's Nolan Arenado. And I've heard possibilities of trading Jeff McNeil for him. And I understand that Jeff McNeil is our guy. He's one he's got three what, three ten averages, three twenty averages every year. But let's be honest, he hasn't put us over the top yet. And I understand that you need more pieces to be able to say, you know, we're over the top, and Jeff McNeil can help that. But I feel that if you have to trade McNeil for Arenado, it's such an upgrade. Because Arenado is the second-best player in baseball. Jeff McNeil is not. So not that Jeff McNeil is a bad player. He's very good. But I, if I have to sacrifice one of my guys to get Arenado, I'm going to do it. Because no one Arenado is that good. It's the truth. He's just that good. He puts a team over the top because the Rockies are not as good on paper as the Mets. The Mets have, first of all, they won 86 games last year. Let's not forget that. And they have a young first baseman like Alonzo. They have Rosario, Michael Conforto. The list goes on. And they have a solid pitching core. The team is just better than the Rockies. The Rockies are far away from winning. It's just the truth. So if you can get Arenado in here, he can play a very good third base. Finally, the Mets will get good defense at third base. He's able to hit 300. and And the fan base will get a little excited. I understand... And maybe if you don't have to trade Jeff McNeil, maybe since he wants out, you could say, hey, I'm not going to trade Jeff McNeil for him. You can have one of my top five prospects. And I'm telling you, if they trade a top five prospect for Nolan Arenado, okay. I don't care because he's that good. Because prospects are lottery tickets. You don't know what you're going to get. Nolan Arenado is not a lottery ticket. He's that freaking good. And if you can get him here in New York... Then you're talking. Now you have a solid ball club that can take on the Phillies, the Nationals, and the Braves. Because he puts you over the top. And how about that? Wouldn't that be incredible if the Yankees signed Garrett Cole and the Mets respond with, yeah, we got Nolan Arenado in blue and orange. Now you're actually competing in the city. Because I know that there's a lot of talk about taking over the town. I don't give a damn about taking over the town. I just want to win. What a freaking concept, winning. The Mets don't know too much about that. And that's what I want, just to win. And Arenado puts you over the top. Now, imagine Steve Cohen comes in and he gets Arenado and Mookie Betts. I know that's unrealistic, and you're going to have to shell out a lot of money, but my God, how good would the Mets be? How good would they be with Arenado and Betts? Oh my God, dude. I'm. Jeez, I'm just. I, 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 the That'll be the day. <laughs> that'll be the day. One thing I want to talk about, though, with baseball is, too, the designated hitter is rumored to be coming here at the start of the 21 season. Like, I just can't. I can't live in a world where I have to watch the designated hitter every night. I hate the designated hitter. And I hate when American League fans say, but they're pitchers. They can get hurt running the bases. Be quiet. These are professional athletes. And if you can't run in a circle, you have no business being a professional athlete. They're major league pitchers. They're in the major leagues. You can run for a little bit. You can hit. And you know what? I don't want to hear that, oh, pitchers are just free outs. Maybe if they actually spend some time on trying to hit, they could be better. And honestly, hitting with a pitcher is a better game. There's strategy involved. And I know a lot of American League fans say, oh, what strategy? What do you mean the strategy? What do you mean? There's all strategy in the world. Do I pinch hit for him now? Do I have to take him out? Which pinch hitter do I use? Do I save this guy for later? Can I use this reliever because I have the pitcher coming up? I can use a double switch. There's a lot of strategy. It's more entertaining than just... And also, the game goes quicker because you watch a Yankee game, and it's in, it's at 10.30 at night, and it's the seventh inning because it's about 15 to 11. I'm sorry. I can't watch those games. I can't watch baseball. That's, everybody re- remembers Game 5 of the World Series, Astros-Dodgers, which is not a little bit tainted, but everybody says Game 5 was one of the greatest games of all time and ended 13-12 and, like, 13 innings. Oh, my God. It was one of the worst games in baseball history if you ask me. Because I cannot ta- I can't take home run, home run, home run and the designated hitter adds to that. Designated hitter is not a position. Pitcher is. You're a major league pitcher. Stand up there, take a bat and be a man. Hit the ball. And also, bunting. You can bunt. Nobody's going to laugh at you for bunting. It's a productive out. Those things exist. You win baseball games by productive outs. I'm sorry. It's the truth. And you don't have to tell me the designated hitter can actually hit. And it gives them a chance to come back. Because that works both ways. That also gives you a chance to get pummeled more. I'm sorry. It's just you create a job for players. And I don't like designated hitters. And also, you take away bench players. Bench players offer no role. Because when you say uh, on an American League team, they have a deeper bench, who cares? There's a designated hitter. Why do they care about a better bench? I'm sorry. It just doesn't matter. Because if you're a bench player on an American League team, I'm sorry, but who cares who you are? When you're a bench player... On a National League team, you have to be able to hit the ball. You have to be able to field because you're going to be in there as a replacement. You're going to have to be a better athlete. And I'm sorry, I love seeing DeGrom hit and Steven Matz and Noah Syndergaard hit. Zach Wheeler could hit. Carlos Zembrano could hit. Randy Johnson had a couple home runs in his career. Madison Bumgarner. Are we just going to forget that he's had a couple home runs in his MLB career? Come on, we can't just, like, throw that under the box, like, sweep that under the rug and make, oh, never happened. I hate the DH more than anything in baseball. It is one of the most disgusting things because if you ask me, it's not baseball. They didn't make baseball and say you're a designated hitter. I mean, what the hell is that? All you do is hit. You don't have to field at all. That's not baseball. I mean, listen, you need to be able to field in baseball. That's what the sport is, and pitchers is a position. He's a position on the field. He's not just the pitcher. He has to field. He has to hit. He has to be part of the game. I'm sorry, but baseball was written on principle. Everybody hits. Not just you're only a hitter. It's disgusting. And listen, I don't understand why American League fans... I've accepted that they have the DH. That's how I've grown up. But why do they want to take it from me? I don't want to take it from them. Just leave me alone. Let me have my rules. We don't want the DH. It's disturbing why they why they want us to have the DH. I just don't get it. Like, stay off my lawn. I like baseball how it is. And the designated hitter, I'm sorry, but I don't want it. Most... National League fans don't want it. So why are you forcing it upon us? It doesn't make sense to me. I hate it. I hate every single second of it. Leave us alone. It's a very simple concept. Just leave us alone. Now, one thing I have to get to before the end here is the New York Knicks last week were in a game against the Memphis Grizzlies. They trailed by 18 points with about a minute 30 left. Jay Crowder. Steals the ball and he walks right out to the three-point line and takes a three, and the Knicks did not take exception to that. They pushed him down. They started a whole big brawl, and then obviously Marcus Morris said something he should not have said in the post-game when he said uh, something about like he has like feminine tendencies to him, or he basically saying he plays like a girl. I mean, bro, you can't say that nowadays. And he said an hour later, like oh, I didn't, I shouldn't have said that. That was not right. That's not who I am. Listen, I get that, but listen, Marcus, you're you you can not say that. You you, just, you you can't take a shot at women like that. It's just not right. You can't say that. And listen, I do agree with the Knicks, though. You gotta you gotta not take that. And Jay Crowder, what a what a you know that's a really bad move by him. It's a bad look because then you're trying to stat pad. I mean, come on, you have the game one. Just take the ball and dribble it out. Dribble out the clock and force up a shot. Hit the rim. Just get the game going. Because it's honestly a sign of disrespect. You're in the NBA. And I'm sorry. Nobody knows who you are. And you're so bad that you need to take a three-pointer to try to stat your pads so you can get a contract when your contract is up. That's a small man move right there. I'm sorry. And then it got even better as the Knicks fans started yelling down, sell the team. Sell the team. And anytime somebody says sell the team, Dolan throws him out. But and are you going to throw out the whole arena with about 30 seconds left in the game? Dolan, I'm sorry. You need to wake up. You need to understand that your fans are not happy. What the hell is Steve Mills doing? Like, how has he been around for so long? I don't get it. Like, what is his job? If you can tell me what his job description is, fine. But if you can't give me what he does, why is he there? I'm sorry. It's just dumb. He has no reason to be there. You need to wake up. You need to get somebody in here who can actually, you know, who can actually run this run this team. Because right now, the Knicks are a laughingstock. They're a joke. And it's kind of incredible to think about how the Rangers get all the free agents in the NHL. It's a great time to play for the Rangers, but nobody would even consider touching the Knicks. It's really incredible. Fun show today, guys. We talked about the Chiefs breaking their curse Maybe that means the Jets can break their curse next. I doubt it because they have Adam Gaze as their head coach. But congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. They are your 2019 Super Bowl champions. Andy Reid finally gets it done. Mahomes has stamped himself as the face of the NFL. Thank you all so much for listening. Me and Nick will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening, guys.